Good. Well, it's wonderful, as always, to be here today. And we're in our message series called Divine, which is looking at the character of God. Today, we're going to talk about how God is faithful. Now, faithful is a word that we're pretty familiar with. Sometimes we talk about things like God is holy, and we don't look around each other, around ourselves, and see a lot of holy people around us, maybe. But you say God's faithful, and we can look around us and see faithful people. Uh, maybe the faithful people you know are your friends. They're there when you need them. You got a problem, your friends are there. Or maybe you just have one friend who's there. Maybe most of your friends are duds, take it, amen. But you have at least one friend who is there, who's available, who's present with you as a, a faithful friend, someone you can count on. Uh, maybe you're married, you have a spouse, and you have a faithful spouse. Uh, usually how we define that for a spouse is they don't cheat on you. Can I get an amen for not cheating on your spouse? Yeah, let's not do that. So you have a faithful spouse. We're thankful for someone who's faithful. Uh, some of us are faithful football fans or faithful basketball fans. We know we're faithful because we cheer for Mississippi State or Ole Miss. And it's just this labor of love. Like you keep cheering for them year after year after year of just painful heartbreak, but you're faithful to them and you keep cheering for them. Uh, there's also other kinds of things that are faithful. It's not just humans. You can have faithful dogs. Now, quick question here. Can you have a faithful cat? Yes. No, no, all you answered yes. It's just not true. It's just not true. Cats are self-centered, egotistical narcissists, and you need to cut those kind of creatures out of your life. But dogs are faithful. There, there's a dog I read about recently. His name was Hachiko. Now, it's weird for me to be reading about dogs, first of all, and it's weird for me to read about a dog named Hachiko, but Hachiko was a white Akita. Anybody ever seen an Akita? These beautiful, furry, big dogs. They're from Japan is where the, the breed comes from, and they were bear hunting dogs in Japan. These, if, if you want just an amazing dog, get an Akita. So this white Akita named Hachiko, and Hachiko lived in Japan. He was born, this is weird, I know when he was born, y'all. He was born November 10th, 1923. His owner got him, his owner moved to Tokyo in 1924, and his owner taught at the University of Tokyo. He was a professor. And so he would go every day and take the train in to go teach at the University of Tokyo, and he would come back. And every single day, Hachiko would come and would meet him at the train station. What kind of cat does that? Every single day, without fail, Achika would be there and meet his owner at the train station until one day, May 21st, 1925, the owner had a cerebral hemorrhage at work and never came home. And Achika came to the, this train station and waited, and no owner. The next day, Achika comes back, same time, no owner. For the next 10 years, this dog kept showing up at the train station. And the only reason he quit showing up is because he finally died. The dog kept showing up. He was consistent. That was a faithful dog. To this day in Japan, Hachiko is recognized. In fact, they have like monuments set up to him as a faithful dog. Get a dog like this. Be a dog like this. We love Hachiko. <laughs> to this day, and you look it up. Look up Hachiko. It's, it's, it's a thing in Japan. Because we recognize as humans faithfulness. And I think we recognize it so much because we don't see enough of it in our lives. Now, here's the reality we're going to talk about today. God is faithful, which is an amazing thought. But for me, sometimes it's a frustrating thought because I can say God is faithful, but then I look around and it doesn't feel like God is waiting for me every day like that dog was. There are things I feel like God should do or that God has said he would do in my life and I'm not seeing it take place. And I know God is perfect. I know God is good. I know God is all powerful. 
But if that is the case and he's also faithful, why don't I see that faithfulness showing up more in my life? And the, the truth is God's faithfulness is different than the faithfulness of the people around you, the humans around you. And it's what's called an analogical attribute of God. Now, I just use a couple big words. Analogical means that we can say like God is father, but we also have an earthly father. When we have an earthly father, that's just really a reflection, sometimes a bad reflection, sometimes a good reflection of our heavenly father. So we're using, using words to describe God that only get at a piece of who he is because we're describing from things we, we see around us. So when we say God is faithful, we're saying that's true of God. We also see it around ourselves, but it's true of God in a way it's not true of a dog or a person or any other creature. God is faithful in a different kind of way. Let me give you a quick definition of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is the alignment of his character, his promises, and his actions. So God's faithfulness means that who he is perfectly lines up with what he promises and who he is and what he promises perfectly line up with what he does. So God's faithfulness doesn't mean that he's gonna be waiting at the train station for you every day. It means that he is going to consistently, without fail, be who he is, promise what he promises, and accomplish what he has said he will done. What he said he will do. And so we can't step back and say, God, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. We have to say God is faithful, which means he lines up. And this is one of my favorite things about God. Because back in ancient times, their gods would kind of do what they wanted. If you've ever read Greek mythology, you have the gods, and they're crazy. If you read about the Greek gods, it's like reading about Jersey Shore or like reading Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You're like, these are the gods we worship? What is going on here? This is, this is wild. Because all the stuff they're doing, they're not dependable. They're not consistent. They're not gods we want to emulate. They're just, it's weird. And then we come to the Christian God, the Jewish God first, who then we recognize as the father of our Lord Jesus, the Christian God. And we recognize he is faithful. So when he says he is loving, when he says he is holy, when he says he is merciful, we can know he will always be that. When he says he will do something, we can be confident he will always do that. But here's the frustrating thing. Our lives are messy. And maybe you're sitting in pain right now and you're wondering, if God's faithful, where is he at? Maybe you're sitting in isolation right now, surrounded by people, but you're sitting in isolation and you're saying, where's God's faithfulness right now? Maybe you're just looking at how your life has turned out and you're frustrated by it and you're a little angry and it hurts. And you say, where's God's faithfulness here? I want us today to look at a story in the Bible that it's about God's faithfulness, but it's not a cute story about God's faithfulness. It's all tied up in a bow. It's a messy story. And I love reading messy stories in the Bible because it means it's okay for us to have messy lives. So if you have your Bibles, go to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. We're gonna start off in Genesis chapter 12. We have the lights pulled up here so we make sure that everyone gets a chance to see each other. See each other and see their Bibles. Let's get those lights turned on. And we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, up to this point in Genesis, you had a couple things happen. First of all, God created the world. Humans screwed up the world. Then a big flood came and killed most of humans. So there's less of us to mess up the world even more. And then it starts going down. Here are the generations of people. We have these people, these people, these people, these people, these people. And finally, we end up in Genesis chapter 12. It's about a guy named Abram. Later on, his name becomes Abraham. And this is the start of the great turn of the whole Bible because up until this point, things have been bad and things have gotten worse. But when Abraham comes, when God calls Abraham, this is the 
first big turning point of the Bible. And here's the first time that we are promised that God is going to send someone, we're not, told, we're not giving much detail yet, to save the world, to bless the world. All the nations will be blessed through Abraham. So here we go, Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, and here's the promise, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And what he's getting at is that ultimately Jesus comes from the line of Abraham. Abraham, from him come the Jewish people. From the Jewish people came Jesus. And so right now we're getting this early, early, early promise, thousands of years before Jesus, that God's gonna do something different. He's gonna do something good here. He's gonna do something big here. Now, within this promise to Abraham, there's, there's really two big things. God says, I'm gonna bless you over and over. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless those who curse you. Those, or those who curse you, I'm gonna curse them, but I'm gonna bless you. All the nations of the world will be blessed through you. A lot of blessing. But the other thing he says is, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. Now, important backstory to know here. Abraham and his wife, Sarai, who later becomes Sarah, her name changes, they have no kids. Sarah can't have kids. And so God says this to a guy who's 75 years old and his wife is 65 years old. Hey, I wanna make a great nation out of you. And that's God's promise. Now let's fast forward just a little bit here. Just flip a page or two in your Bible to Genesis chapter 15. And we're gonna pick up in the first verse. This is what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But here's the point where Abram is kind of over the starting off with walking with the Lord. He's a little frustrated right now. He's, he's a little jilted. He's a little jaded because he goes back and he says, verse two, oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. So Abraham still doesn't have a kid, which is a lot bigger deal. It's, it's a big deal if you want to have kids today and can't have kids. Back then, it was even bigger of a deal because you actually carried on your existence, they believed, through the kids that you had, right? And through your, the line that continued on after you. And so it was a really big deal to have kids. But, but Abraham's looking here and saying, I have no kids at all. And so he comes back to God. He's confused. He's frustrated. This is probably about 10 years after God gave him the initial promise. So if I get a promise and I'm 75, I'm thinking, I don't have a whole lot of time left to live. Like best case scenario, probably looking at 15 years. So God's gonna need to move here pretty fast to make his promise happen. And here we are, Abram is 10 years further. He's probably about 85 years old at this point. He still has, does not have a kid. His wife is 75 years old at this point. She still doesn't have a kid. We're, we're in trouble. What's going on? He's confused. He's frustrated. And here's the point I need to tell you a, a very uh, clear but important reality about faith and about God's faithfulness. Your circumstances do not measure God's faithfulness. A lot of us will determine how faithful we think God is based on how our life is going right now. But if you do that, then God's faithfulness is gonna ebb and flow as your emotions ebb and flow. You wake up today, you're feeling good. You had an extra, uh, extra shot of espresso in your coffee and God is faithful. He is good. 
And then when you crash that afternoon because you can't get your hands on more coffee and you're feeling terrible, where is God? Is he going to be faithful to his promises? And your emotions, you know this, your emotions are up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, Some of you, it's like they're not really up and down, they're just down. Your emotions just hang out down here. And if your circumstances or your emotions determine God's faithfulness, then God's not really faithful because he's up and down, up and down, up and down. Put it another way like this. How satisfied you are with life doesn't determine how faithful God is. There's gonna be a lot of times you are not satisfied. A lot of us right now, not satisfied. A lot of us right now, not content with where we are. But that is not the measure of God's faithfulness. What is the measure of God's faithfulness? How well his character, his promises, and his actions line up. Do his character and promises and actions line up? If they do, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're going through, then he is still faithful. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's my favorite, one of my favorite verses, not for the reason it's most people's favorite verse, is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. In fact, Fisher, can you throw that, that first picture up? It's beautiful. Like some of you right now are like, hey, what Etsy shop is that? I want to get that. I need to send that to some people. I need to, I need to send that to myself because no one else will send it to me. So I'm going to write a letter to myself with this. For I know the plans I have for you. Calligraphy on point. Look at the beautiful, like highlighted in slightly different tones and the tones of the highlight match the envelope. God is faithful. Like how many of you have, have, have just appreciate this verse? Is this not good news? God's faithful. Some of you are like, is it good news? I feel like it's a trick here coming. No, this is good news. It's legitimately good news. God is faithful. He's got plans. He was saying this to his people back in Israel, but I think the same thing's still true for us. God has plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. That's good news. I've gotten these things like when I've graduated, you know, it's like I'll either get a copy of Oh, The Places You'll Go or this verse. They're both on the same level. It's like, there's a future for you. It'll work out. Oh, the places you'll go for another plans I have for you, says Dr. Seuss. Like, this is one of those things we send to people to encourage them. But do you, does anybody know the context of this? It's, it's not rosy and cute and simple. The context for this is God says it to his people when their city's been burned and they're being taken away into captivity. Give us the next picture here. All right, they're being taken away into captivity and God puts a big billboard up. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. It'll be good. You're going to go right before this, verse 10. So this is Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 10. He says, you're going to go into captivity for 70 years in Babylon. And I'll bring you back. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. And what we want to do as, as people is we want to take the snippet that we like and speaks to our emotions and pull it out and just take it out of the context of what God intended. You guys, most of these people being taken off to captivity right now are dying in captivity. The future that God has for them is that they're going to have kids who he brings back. And he's still saying, I'm, you're going to prosper because I'm going to bring you back. This should change. We should think of our lives like this. If your whole life is tough and hard and you're taken to captivity and you die there, but you're faithful to God, you have kids who will come back and enjoy the promises of God, that is enough. God is still faithful and that is our responsibility. It changes how you view God's faithfulness because God is not limited to your lifetime. You're limited to your lifetime. The 60, 70, 80, 90 years you get on this earth, you're limited to that. That's all you get. But God is an eternal God. His faithfulness is not limited to a brief lifetime on earth. 
His faithfulness continues on for generations. God knows the plans he has for you. They're good. He's faithful to them, but it doesn't mean your life will be easy. It doesn't mean your life will be simple. And Abraham is, is sitting in this place when he comes back to God and he's frustrated. He's frustrated about how his life has turned out. And he followed, he uprooted his whole life and followed this God where this God told him to go and the promises that God promised him are not coming through. There's a few more verses here that I wanna just highlight for us. Verse four, behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, Eliezer of Damascus. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought Abraham outside and, and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abram's still sitting here. He's an old man, no kid yet. But God comes to him and says, I'm gonna do it. And remember, God's character, his promises and his actions always line up. So if God's a faithful God and he says, I'm going to do it, he will do it. So final place we're gonna to go today, Genesis chapter 21. I'll go ahead and flip there. And Genesis 21, it's not the end of the story, but it's, it's the end of this, of this promise, or at least of the first part of this promise. Genesis chapter 21, excuse me, I'm sorry, 19. No, I'm not, I'm talking 21, guys. Stop fighting me on this. <laughs> Genesis chapter 21, verse one. It says, the Lord visited Sarah as he said. Now that's, that's key here. In other words, he's saying God's faithful. He said he's gonna do it, he did. He visited Sarah, the wife of Abraham. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And then Sarah conceived and she bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as the Lord had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. He had been waiting on, this is not the fulfillment of the promise. This is the first step in the promise. And he waited 25 years to see the first step of God's promise come about. And when his son Isaac was born to him, and it says, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. The, the, the word, the name Isaac is similar to the word in Hebrew for laughter. God's made laughter to me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I've borne him a son in his old age. 25 years after the initial promise was made, God begins to fulfill it. Now, I want you to notice, he doesn't fully fulfill it. He, Abraham yet does not have a great nation of descendants. He has one son, one son. He doesn't have a whole nation. He's got one son. But God's faithfulness, the alignment of his character with his promises and actions has brought this about. I was leading a discipleship group a couple months ago. It was over Zoom, a bunch of seminary students, people training to be ministers. Some of them are already pastors, most of them were. And we're in this group together and we start talking about the faithfulness of God. And I shared about a song that had meant a lot to me. It's the song, The Goodness of God. And there's, there's a part in there that says, all my life you've been faithful, all my life you've been so, so good. It just speaks so much to my soul. And I shared about that. And then one by one, each person started sharing about how they had experienced God's faithfulness. I want, I want you to hear these stories. One guy was a missionary in another country. It's a few years ago. 
And he had guys break into his house, ask for money. He said, I don't have any money because he didn't have any money. They didn't believe him. So they took a hammer and they beat his skull in repeatedly. And he's lying in a pool of blood on the floor. And then he has to get up the next day, get healed and keep ministering in this country. And he's in pain and he's suffering and life is hard. You know what he said? And in that time, I knew God was faithful. Another guy spoke up. He's a pastor. Six months ago, maybe a little bit longer, nine months ago, he's got two kids and a wife. His wife miscarries their third child. That third child is still, he said, and I believe is, is in heaven waiting for them. He'll meet them someday. But for the rest of his earthly time, that child is gone. And he said, God in that moment was faithful. Next person speaks up. She said, a couple years ago, my, my husband and I were going through a really hard time in our marriage. So many things going on and we were, we were about to get a divorce. But in that time of hardship, God was faithful. And they're saying this. I'm sitting back thinking, what are you guys talking about? You just described some of the lowest points of your life and you're pointing back to those moments saying God is faithful. What they weren't saying is we felt good in those times. What they weren't saying is that life was exactly what we wanted in those times. What they were highlighting is the fact that even in our worst moments, we can depend on a God who is faithful, whose character and his promises and his actions all line up. And so here, here's the reality for you. You may be struggling to grab hold of this concept of God is faithful. But God was faithful to Abraham. He did it. It took 25 years. God was faithful. It, it, took, it took some years between when God came the second time and said, hey, I'm going to keep doing it. It took about 15 years after Abraham believed him for it to finally happen. So who are you? And who am I to say, God, I'm going to give you six months. I got a list of demands. I'll send them through Gabriel to heaven. I'll fax them over since y'all may be old school in heaven and I want to see them done. Who are you? And who am I? Abraham, the great father of our faith, 25 years. The people, some of whom were following God, who were taken off to Babylon in captivity. They died in captivity, but 70 years later, God brought the people back just like he promised. Who are we to judge God's faithfulness based on our circumstances? We have a God who is far beyond us. And even at our lowest, he loves us. Even at our lowest, he's good to us. Even at our lowest, we can know he's going to be faithful no matter what happens. But, but we start off with the wrong thing because we have a self-centered view of God's faithfulness. It makes sense because you're focused on you because, you know, you are you. But when we have a self-focused view of God's faithfulness, we miss out on the reality of what it is. This will help us understand a little bit here. God's faithfulness has three levels to it and, and how he works it out in, in this world. And we are only one piece of those levels. So the first level is that his character. We already talked about this, right? God is faithful. So this, this beautiful vase here represents God's character. And without God's character, anything else we say about faithfulness, how God does it, what it is, doesn't matter. If God is not in himself fully faithful. So God is faithful, but God contains within his character of faithfulness, the promises, I don't know if you guys can see there's water in here, the promises. So these, this water represents the promises of God to his people. Do you realize that God's promises very rarely come to individuals? God's promises almost always come to his people. Abraham was an individual who got a promise, but if you notice in, God, in God's promise to Abraham, it's about God's people in the future. I'm gonna bless all the families of the earth through you. I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. So it's very much to Abraham, 
but it's about God's people, about what God's gonna do in the future. And so the water here represents God's promises, not to you and to me individually, but God's promises to his people. Now the final part, the most beautiful part of this is you. You are a Red Bull. And we spend our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, you live within the faithfulness of God and his promises to his people. And, and often, and this is why those people, uh, the guy who got beat up as a missionary and the, and the guy whose family had a miscarriage and the lady who almost got a divorce and went through that low time, the reason why they were able to say God is faithful while they were going through those things is that even when life took them down deep, they were still surrounded, suspended in, sustained by God's promises within God's character. And when you live a life like that, you can be taken down and you're underwater and you don't hold your breath so long, but then the Lord will always bring you back because his promises are gonna be true whether or not you feel good. His promises are gonna be true whether or not you enjoy where you are in life. His promises are gonna be true even when you fail. And so you live your life within the character of God, the faithful character of God, surrounded by, suspended in, carried by the promises to his people. And so whatever you're going through right now, just know this, you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, suspended in the faithfulness of God, carried by the faithfulness of God, lifted up by it. And so what this doesn't do is reduce the problems you're dealing with, it puts them in perspective. If you are struggling to embrace the faithfulness of God, I want you to do two things. I want you to expand your timeline. Don't look at this year as your measure of God's faithfulness. Don't look even, it's gonna be a challenge for us, at your lifetime as the measure of God's faithfulness. Look through history and see how he's faithful. Look to your future, which you can't see yet, and see how he's going to be faithful to your kids, your grandkids, your kids, your great-grandkids, or to your spiritual offspring, the people you lead into the faith. See how he's gonna be faithful to them and know he's doing the same for you right now. Expand your timeline. Here's the second thing. Expand your sample size. So often when we're saying God's not faithful, we're looking at one person. And they, they're in the mirror right now. You're staring at yourself in the mirror. Saying, I don't know if God's faithful. Start looking at the lives of people around you. This is hard. This means you have to be not self-centered. But look at the people around you and see how God's faithful in that person's life, how God answered that prayer, how God is fulfilling his promises to his people in the lives of people around you. And know that you can rest in the faithfulness of God, not because you're feeling good, but because God is faithful. His faithfulness is his alignment of his character, his promises, and his actions. And you are sitting within, suspended within, carried by his promises to his people. This doesn't deny how hard life is, but it puts it in perspective and helps us realize that even in our hardest, lowest moments, God is faithful. And he is faithfully at work keeping his word to you and to his people, just like he did to Abraham. Abraham's life was messy. We didn't cover the half of it. He ended up having another baby with another woman before he had this first one. That was, that was messy. Wow. He ended up uh, doing a lot of other stuff and having to fight some battles and killing some people. And it was, it was a messy life. But you know what? God's faithfulness carried him through. I can promise you this about your life. Your life's messy. And it's gonna keep getting messier. Stuff's gonna happen. You may not cause the mess, but mess is gonna come. But in the middle of all that, you serve a faithful God. And you are suspended within his character and his promises to his people that he will fulfill no matter what.
So as, as we finish today, I'm, we're about to go to prayer. I think this is an amazing opportunity to be honest with God. Because you may be in this place where you're not feeling God's faithfulness. You know God's big enough to absorb that if you come to him. Abraham did it in, in Genesis 15. Abraham said, God, you said this. You said I was going to have a kid. And I'm 85 years old and no kid. Maybe you can come to God and say, God, you promised freedom from sin. And I'm not experiencing that. What's going on, God? God, you, you did say to your people that you give them a future and a hope, but I'm not experiencing that. What's going on? Be honest with God. But as you're honest with God, do what Abraham did and embrace his faithfulness. Believe his word and trust him.